Excuse me. Excuse me, uh, is someone out there not having a good time? about vampires, werewolves, monsters, zombies, sorcerers, beasties, or time-traveling romances. Everyone on the internet, they're not having as great a time as you think they are. I guess people are just cropping out all the sadness. So how are you? How's your life? In progress. You're pretentious! Welcome to So Pretentious. Dear listeners, are you even out there still? Have you forgotten all about us? Because... We kind of forgot about us too. So are you and being by us, dramatic right now? I mean, would you say I'm being pretentious? <sighs> the epic eye roll that just ensued from my co-host Vivian, and I'm Helter. All right, Why that's do enough. I of sound that like shit. I'm an episode of the Twilight Zone. I don't know. I was trying for something different. I figure it's, it's been a year. We've had to do something. Has it been a year? Yeah, something close to that. Yeah, it's been it's been a very long time. I missed you, friend. I missed you too, friend. And I missed our friends that sometimes tune in and listen to us, friends. Right. I got hit really bad with the COVID, so hence that threw me off completely because that happened back in April. And man, it sucked. I hope none of you have had to deal with the COVID, and especially not the long COVID, because it literally knocked me on my ass for what six seven months practically you were going through it helder i mean mean, you didn't have energy i know you're still coming back from it but yeah it was tough for you for a long time yeah i mean i was just hoping someone who had a question about their covid symptoms and the brain fog actually two of my friends that caught it within the last week they were each messaging me about their families and their brain fog and what that was like and what that meant for them and how to best get through it. So it's, um, it sucks. B12, B12 people. If you have low energy fatigue and everything else, try the B12 because that's what ended up being one of the ways for me to get through things. I still 
have a lot of aches and pains and my body still slows mm-hmm. down a little bit, but I also yeah. be careful with whis- alcohol afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't see him, but um, I, I have no, somehow I have no idea why. Knock on wood, as of this recording, the HIV has not gotten me yet. Um, I live in fear, but perhaps you've been so happens. boosted. I mean, we were at an event that could have been a super spreader if we weren't careful, even though we were outside. True. I don't know. We'll just see what keeps happening. I don't know what else to say. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to be, uh, well, not with you because we're not in the same place, but we're recording together. So it's nice to at least be recording together. Yes, it is. Albeit brief. This is going to be a relatively short one. We're actually doing a rebroadcast, but we figured we should chat with y'all and see how you're doing. Check in, check in on each other like we've always been trying to do. I mean, we've still been doing that on the regular anyway, either via um, messaging or uh, that shitty little app that we used to love so much. Oh, sir, sir. I I told some friends that I will stay on just to watch it, just to watch how it burns down. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Let's let's see what happens if... uh, if they actually force him to step down as CEO, as he should, because he never should have bought it anyway. So, well, he, no, we let's won't not mention that. Let's not. Name. We're talking about self care and taking care of ourselves during the holiday. So perhaps we'll skip that. See, perfect transition. Mm-hmm. So you see what I did there? I set it up for you. That's why you're the brains of this of this whole program, and I'm just the like comic. You're the brawn. You're the tech. I was, yeah, sure, tech, tech. Yeah, well, because it wouldn't feel right to say roadie because you're not a roadie. <laughs> We're not on the road. We're just no. doing this from home. Yeah, well, maybe one day you'll start singing and we can be in a band. Or we can just keep talking. I think talking's better. Singing's awkward. Well, whichever works, whichever works. Or we can just, you know, win one of those mega millions or oh. whatever. You know someone in Rocky Hill won like a few million? I sent that to you, right? Yeah, but they, weren't they from Hartford and they won... They bought it in Rocky Hill. They bought my ticket. That's all that I know. They bought my ticket and I'm not a millionaire because of them. Was it a scratchy uh, or was it like the. um, I don't remember. I don't remember. But now I can't buy lottery tickets in Rocky Hill because somebody already won in Rocky Hill. So that means I won't win. Don't think that's how it works. Psychologically for me, that's how it works. Okay. Well, see, that's the problem. You're psychologically psyching yourself out to not win. So now we need to like. Flip the switch. Flip the narrative. Come yes, on. that's why I haven't won. Yes. Yes, because I haven't man- manifested a win, right? I figure, oh, right, that's what I need to do. Manifest a win, yes. Yeah. So do you um, do you want to start, since this is going to be, you want to talk about why we decided to come back, albeit briefly? Um, well, Part of the reason we wanted to come back is because we wanted to come back and we enjoyed doing this um, when we're feeling healthy enough to do it, which was part of the other issue. Um, and that leads us into this idea of self-care and mental health strategies to help us get through the holiday season. Uh, it was one of our bigger episodes early on uh, two years ago around Christmas time. Two oh, years. How? 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 How has it been two years? I don't know. 
But with the holidays approaching and be it family matters, be it being with family or not being with family, it all comes together to cause a bunch of mayhem, especially with like, you know, work involvement, whether you're getting the time off to work or not. Um, And maybe you have to travel because holy moly, that's a headache and a half. Mm. Um, And there's just other things. Maybe there are people no longer around that would be part of your holiday traditions Mm. and either for you know, the innumerable reasons why they may no longer be part of your holiday tradition. They are still there in, in memory and heart. And, and, you know, I'll say this, I've noticed in the, in the past few, I mean, I think when people say that celebrity or celebrity culture isn't very valuable, um, you know, I would argue that, or frivolous, I would argue that it's not because in the past few months, really, um, a, a few high profile people have either passed or very recently, um, you know, passed away very tragically. And it's, um, I think it's a larger reminder that one, the way you think somebody's life might be, may not actually be what it is. And mm-hmm. even if you have everything people think you have, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, things are good. Um, I think that they're still, we're still living under this like collective grief. Um, I don't think, again, we haven't, we've said it many times on the show. We really haven't had time to process what's happened in the world that we live in. And are we in the same place we were in 2020? No, but a lot of, a lot of what we talked about still applies. And some of us are just trying to make it. And, and I think that there's this idea, I feel a little bit less, but like for folks who are not excited about the well, one people assuming that you celebrate the holidays, right? And some people there's don't. That. But there's that. But even if you don't, I think the skills, the things that we talk about here are applicable other places. Um, but then for many people, that the assumption um, that the holidays are happy, uh, and they're not for everybody, um, and that even people who are quote unquote having a good life. A lot of us are still going through it and it's okay. It is really, truly okay to just want to get through whatever, you know, holidays through the new year, if you celebrate and just get through it. So um, we thought it was important to kind of rebroadcast this and remind people that you're not alone. Even if you feel alone, you are not. Um, And listening to other people (laughs) <laughs> say that maybe they're going through it too sometimes can be helpful so very much so and yeah and you know speaking for myself and my own <clears throat> mental health awareness things that I go through I know that sometimes what's also forgotten by some people or not even understood or appreciated at times is you can be in the room Many of us can be in a room filled with people in a space filled with people. It could be the most exciting time of the year. It could be the most exciting event, but for a handful of people, as much as they might seem to be having a good time or at least registering what's happening, there's a lot going on inside them that you're unaware of. And they mm-hmm. might, you know, they could put out a very beautiful, fun TikTok dancing with their family. And unfortunately they're still not happy or mm-hmm. they're still in a, a place that we don't understand and can't understand. So. Right. And it's also okay. Um, I think, you know, we'll, 
when we get back to recording regularly, which will be soon, um, you know, we do want to do an episode about toxic positivity. So, and I say that to say it is okay to not feel happy all the time. It is okay to not feel grateful. You know, it is okay. You are a person. There are a range of feelings. And even if you quote unquote should be happy, it's okay to give yourself time to not be. And when we talk about feeling sad or, or, or grieving, um, loss is not necessarily even a person, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you had a bad breakup and that's something you're dealing with and you miss, even, even if the relationship were quote unquote bad, you're missing the life that you could have had with that person. And that's what you're grieving. You know, maybe it's, you do have parents and perhaps your relationship with them is strained. And this is the time of year that, you know, people are with their families. And I'm sure there are some folks who are getting pressured, like you only get one parent. And it's like, well, you know, if your parents not so good to you, maybe, you know, if you made the decision to disconnect from them, um, you know, maybe that's okay. Um, and, and people shouldn't make you feel bad for it. So um, I guess I'm just saying wherever you are, and whatever it is you are going through, it is okay to be sad. Um, and it is okay to have feelings. And um, this too shall pass. But we also have uh, in the episode and, and what have you, some, some referrals to mental health. I know in the show notes, I'll repeat the show notes. Um, so if you are going through it, please, there is no shame. Absolutely none. You know, we've talked about therapy once or twice. Therapy is there for a reason. And one of my favorite podcasts talked about, uh, she said, she's like, I go to therapy for the people in my life who won't go to therapy. <laughs> That's the best line ever. Yeah, I use it pretty regularly. I think she she hit the nail right on the head. So, And if you're happy at this time, be happy. That's okay, too. Be happy. You like Hallmark movies? Do not let people ruin your shine. I know there's a lot of trash talking about these cheesy Christmas movies. If you love them, love them, hug them, sit there and watch them, have popcorn, just, you know, do what you can. It I is love okay. a good cheesy Christmas movie. Do you? I mean, oh yeah, but not that. those. I'm sorry. I'm not going to shame those. I'm not doing because that. Because you don't like romance. It's people can't find love at Christmas. Is that what you're saying? Well, is that uh, what you're no, saying? I, uh, Elf, he finds romance in an Elf. Now you know I haven't seen that. Well, there you go. See, see, you're judging me now because I'm judging those. But um, I will say uh, the CBS series Ghost with Ghosts, which is an adaptation of um, of a BBC it's a show, series. Right? Yeah, it was a British show, which also had an excellent Christmas episode. Um, was it BBC or B or or um, Channel Four? I forget which, but. Uh, Anyway, Ghosts, which is available on HBO Max, if you have that, uh, check it out before um, Discovery Plus becomes completely inundated with the trash. That Helder, Helder. Sorry. Helder. Anyway, trying to And also, positive. listen, I will have you know that home interior and design shows are very wholesome entertainment. I will I watch it. That's home. not even what I meant. I meant the the CEO of Discovery Plus, who's trash. Well, okay. That's who I meant. He like, and he just is trashing everything. Um, anyway. Uh, and Ghost actually literally very, <laughs> and yeah, literally exactly. in some cases. Um, the CBS version, which is the American version, just had a lovely two part episode of ghosts at Christmas that takes into account the, like the main character's love for Christmas Hallmark movies because of that 
you know, creating this lovely romance at Christmas time. So, you know, enjoy those. Enjoy what you like. Personally, I'm a Gremlins at Christmas time. Of course I'm you a, are. I'm a Shane Black at Christmas time action movie, Christmas movie. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a fantastic movie. Long Kiss Goodnight is a fantastic movie. First of all, fa- <laughs> Long. Oh my God. Yep. You know what? Gina Davis deserved more. I. Yes. Yeah. You should have just done a whole like. Yes. Didn't we want to do an alt Christmas movie thing? I know. Maybe we'll do it anyway, but certainly. Uh, Long Kiss Returns is a fantastic Christmas movie. Is it? Okay. I don't remember. Sorry. Michelle Pfeiffer, yes. Yes, Pfeiffer, yes. Yes, Pfeiffer, yes. My, my, you know, still my Catwoman, still my Catwoman. Okay, well, you know, whatever I mean, it's an extremely flawed movie at this point, watching it recently. Listen, Um, is it three hours, though? It's not three hours. Mm, Exactly. It's not about, um, it's not about, what was it, Caucasian Jesus becoming blue Jesus, or however, blue savior, is that what he's called? Oh, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, we're not talking about that, please. We're not talking about that. Again, if you like Avatar, go enjoy yourselves, but... What was our point? Oh, we're supposed to be doing a, a lead yeah. into a, yeah, a longer exactly. episode. Now you're, now you're, yes, exactly. So we're uh, going to wrap this up because the episode is pretty lengthy. Um, but we do hope in, in all seriousness, all bantering aside, we do hope that you, you take something from it. Um, we hope in 2022, three, silly, look what I did there. 2023, we hope to have um, Viana back on um, because she's, she's always such a, such a light <laughs> when she's on the show. I always take a little little tidbit from her, and I and I think I'll have to check our numbers, but I think our um, our most popular episode I think is is one with her in it. Oh, most definitely. So, yeah, I so, would believe that she's yeah. much better than both of us. Excuse I mean, me? she's much better than. Uh, yeah, you're 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 definitely you know V names V names. Yes, clearly the V's work better than the H. Hello. See what I did there. So with that said, here's an episode about normalcy and unnormal times as we revisit episode 10 with Dr. Vienna Tursioscoto and discuss self-care and mental health strategies throughout the holiday season. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. So we're here with our good friend, Dr. Viana Tercioscoto. It's so great to see you. I haven't seen you in forever, Viana. So I know I haven't seen a lot of people in forever, so this is nice. Um, so it's great to see you. It's great to have you on our show to discuss a very important subject that is important to both myself and to Vivian and to a lot of our listeners, and that is mental health. And in this particular case, mental health at a time that is usually very difficult for a lot of people, uh, which mm-hmm. is the holiday season, and now added with all the stress that we're dealing with around the country and the world with this pandemic, with all the insanity. The pandemic? (laughs) 
Yeah, the election. That's the pandemic, right? <gasps> oh. United States 2020 election. Oh, okay. Well, you're going all the way there. Now I remember, mean, we have a professional on the show. We have to we have to we have to be adults. Or already, pretend to anyway. I've already made sure not to have any audio drops for this one other than our intro. So, um but yeah, we've got a two different types of pandemics going on, I guess. It might be, I don't want to trivialize the real pandemic by saying the election, but let's face it, that is causing a lot of mental health and stress to a lot of people. And just seeing the questionable states of minds of a lot of people is also that are the way they are reacting to everything seems to, um, I don't know, concerns me (laughs) about you guys. Definitely concerns me. Um, But also the very important global pandemic that is happening um, and how it's affecting all of us at home and mentally and what that means for us. So Vivian, I'm going to turn it over to you. Mm -hmm. Well, um, yes, as we have, we have Dr. Viana. um, And yeah, so like Helder was saying, we really want to have a discussion about mental health and how people are coping because I think just waking up some days and walking in the world is difficult. Um, and it's also made more difficult when it's the holidays. I know personally, I feel it too. Um, I'm still kind of sorting myself out with um, dealing with grief. Um, I don't want to speak for others on here. Um, so as, as joyous as the holidays are for some people, and sometimes it can be really difficult. Um, and then on top of that, uh, there is a global pandemic. So um, a lot of the coping mechanisms perhaps that people would have had before they can't because you really can't be seeing anyone or you shouldn't be um there are people that you had wanted to see that you now have to change your plans for and how do you know i thought it would be uh good to do a show about how do we cope and you know as as smart as helder and i are let's put it this way there are people who are smarter in terms of taking care of yourself mentally so I just want Vianna I want you to kind of I guess introduce yourself just so we get a sense of um, who you are um, what brought you to the mental health care field and then we'll just get the show started well it's already started but you know what I mean (laughs) yeah and I should say we are all by the way on zoom so nobody is (laughs) near each other (laughs) for full disclosure yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Vivian, and thank you, Helder, for introducing me and all that stuff. So I am a clinical psychologist, um, and I think my interest in this field really started in high school. I took a course. Um, personally, there were also family situations going on that got me interested in mental health, um, and but when I got to college, what's really funny is that I bombed my first intro to psych course, which, you know, they tell you, no, I learned later on that as a freshman, you should never take an intro to anything course. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. So later on, I mine as well. So that (laughs) I wasn't taking psychology. I was, yeah, I was a psych major and I got a C minus in that first course. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to, (laughs) I thought maybe I need to switch, you know, lanes. And so I actually got into education. Um, And I ended up really falling in love with education. And that led me to certification at the elementary level. And after I recovered my freshman year, I did jump back on that horse sophomore year and 
kept going with psychology and I did end up majoring in psychology. Um, but that little break led me to education, which in the end uh, led me to teach here in Manchester, Connecticut. Um, and so I, I taught second and third grade for three years at a public school in Manchester. And while there, uh, I had a lot of kids talk to me about their life situations. Of course, as a teacher, you hear everything. You get to know families. I can imagine. Yeah. You know, you get to know them so well and um, intimately. And so kids would come with stories. And then parents, oftentimes mothers, would come with their own stories, you know, especially parent-teacher conferences. And a lot of these stories were full of trauma, you know. I imagine. Um, the school that I worked at in Manchester was actually a racially diverse school, which sometimes I think, especially, you know, back in the earlier 2000s, people didn't really think of Manchester as being so racially diverse, but this particular school was very much racially diverse. And so a lot of my students uh, and families were of color as well. And um, just hearing their struggles, both in their lives, but also to get mental health services, and in Spanish, I was like, forget it, you know, oh, to get yeah, services in Spanish was, it's still so difficult, right? Um, so that pushed me to continue on um, my original path of trying to become a clinical psychologist. And so I was really fortunate enough to be able to do that here at UConn. So I got to stay in Connecticut um, and I went to UConn, which has an excellent program. Go Huskies. Yep. I'm a Husky. Sorry. <laughs> yep. We're a Husky household here now too. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. And yeah. I don't and know I what I am. That. Well, you're Trinity. So, you know. Well, now I'm a Bantam. We, we have that and we, yeah, we have Bantam. We, we've got, we're, we're an equal opportunity family as long All as inclusive. you Connor Trinity. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> the codos are definitely still part of Trinity, so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I guess that, you went to Dartmouth, correct? That's where you Yeah, I went to Dartmouth for undergrad. Right. And um, I got a master's in education at Harvard, at the Harvard Grad School of Education. Uh, so just so you know, she's qualified. That's what she's telling you. <laughs> she's very politely flexing. You can flex. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that degree was actually in human development and psychology. So it was straddling both worlds, which is something that I continue to do now, uh, even in my professional work as a clinical psychologist. I, um, so what, where that all led me to was really focusing on trauma work. Ooh. And yeah. <laughs> um, we need it. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing, right? So many people don't realize that what they've experienced is trauma, right? Including traumatic grief, right? So yes. the, the idea that losing a loved one is trauma. Oh, um, it. <laughs> and so um, part of my work, so, uh, I ended up um, completing my postdoc and then staying on as a clinician at the Community Health Center in New Britain, which again, you know, if we want to talk about trauma and communities of color and Spanish-speaking folks, that's, that was the majority population that I saw at the community health center. Um, and, and it's everything, right? Racial trauma, financial trauma, sexual trauma, child 
childhood trauma, just everything, anything you can think of. Um, and I, I personally, I got burnt out. And so I can in, imagine. Order, <laughs> in order to take care of myself, um, I started a private practice and I've been really fortunate that that has been something that I could sustain. Um, and I can continue doing this work while continuing to serve mostly a population of color. Um, I do accept Husky. So that's one of the things that, you know. Oh, awesome. But so at the end of the show, we're, we're going to make sure that um, people can find you after. So whatever, <laughs> however you want them to be able to contact you, make sure to, to, to keep that in mind for the end of the show. Yeah. And, and I, I will say right now, I'm not accepting clients. Because <gasps> She's like, I'm busy, y'all. <laughs> so Honestly, quick, yeah. can I ask a quick yeah, question? Yeah. Just uh -huh. uh, So if you've heard my stories before, um, listening to the podcast, I did have, I brought up this, the case one time of having a young man that I knew um, who was my barber who pulled me aside one day because he was going through some trauma and asked me how to get in contact with, as he put it, you know, you white people, you go to a, you go to those guys that talk to, you know, so basically yeah. the, the, uh, the thing being, that's a direct quote, by the way, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> yeah. um, he was Latino and he was just trying to find a way to communicate the stress that he was going through, which it felt had to do with the relationship falling apart. And I gave him a, a number. Um, do you find like a lot of Latino men and black men coming to you and, and men of color coming to you essentially. Um, despite yeah. So the, despite the like um, taboos of, and I say this as a firstborn generation from a European culture that also feels the same way. They, they don't think mm -hmm. about that. And that came up with, mm -hmm. with uh, when my mom was dying of cancer and like mm -hmm. the social services trying to reach my father or like not reach, but like just reach out to him in a sense, if you need anything. And he was very much like, who do I need to talk to? Like he still had that wall, that mental state, no pun intended of like, this is, you know, that's not something I do. That's not something mm -hmm. we do. We, we mm -hmm. bury it. <laughs> we yeah. maybe take it to the church or we take it to a, you know, a glass of wine or something, but we don't go out and tell our, our dirty laundry, if you will, our mental dirty laundry to other to people. stranger. Right. Yeah. So how do you, do you see a lot of men of color, I guess, coming to you and, and what are your you know, non-HIPAA things that you can tell, <laughs> experiences right. of, of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, there's definitely stigma all around, right? Yeah. Um, in different classes, like financial classes and in different ethnic racial backgrounds, there's definitely stigma still. And Vivian, you had actually mentioned in that mental health um podcast that you guys did that I said I listened to uh she listened to us yeah <laughs> you in that podcast you mentioned that or in that episode you mentioned that um you know we see people talking about mental health much more since even five years ago since even 10 years ago right and that's 100% true so when I was at the community health center the first off the amount of people i saw on a regular basis like it was just overwhelming right so i saw a ton of people but on top of that i saw a ton of men there too 
right? And a big portion of my population was actually, because I'm Spanish-speaking, it was mainly Puerto Rican, Spanish-speaking Puerto Rican folks. And um, I saw many males, many men, um, and parents would bring in boys as well. Boys usually get brought in because of, you know, rambunctious, high-activity school okay. behavioral stuff yeah behavioral problems uh -huh. okay yeah i was going to ask you about that with boys especially young men of color yeah that it's behavioral problems so we're going to take him to the therapist to fix him yeah yeah and um i mean so luckily for many of these families even with like little boys like that they were still open to hearing well yes maybe there is some you know higher levels of activity here but could it be for some other reasons? Maybe because there's been a lot of life changes, maybe because you guys have recently moved or a loved one is no longer a part of the picture, um, things like that. So oftentimes families were open to that sort of information. Um, but so yet there I did get to see, yeah, it, it was very, for me, it was very eye opening to see so many different people from so many different backgrounds, including men coming to receive services and i've been fortunate enough that in my practice i do see men and i, I have men of color that come see me um, they tend to be younger in my practice so 20s 30s um but and you know they'll acknowledge and we'll all acknowledge the fact that it was a feat to come in right it wasn't mm -hmm. they had to think about it many times and they had to hit um, a really tough spot before choosing to come in for services. Um, what, what would you say is the, is like maybe like the biggest barrier keeping people, um, from getting any kind of mental health service? So I think in general, um, I, what Helder was saying, right. It's been viewed as something that we don't do. Other people do that right, racially, but also, you do or I'm crazy and only crazy, crazy people yeah, go. Exactly. And I don't mean to be ableist. I'm, but, I'm just using the, the term, yeah. so I want to put it in context. Sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, even worse with like medication, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's the other piece is this fear that, like, do, if I go to therapy, are you just going to push meds on me? Um, and there's still some confusion as to, you know, I'm a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. And so, can you tell us the difference um, yep. since you brought it up? Yep, yep, absolutely. So as a psychologist, I do not prescribe medication. Uh, here in Connecticut, psychologists do not have the ability to prescribe medication. There's a couple of states in which that in which you can apply for that. And but and, and there's some folks here in Connecticut pushing for that ability. Um, but for the here for as of now as a psychologist i i cannot prescribe medication i went to school and trained to learn how to um, diagnose different mental health disorders and to treat those disorders and that's mostly done through talk therapy but there's also other types of therapy like play therapy um, you know, you'll hear about cognitive behavioral therapy as being the really popular type of therapy. So different forms of ther therapy that um, we would use. 
Now, psychiatry, you actually train as a medical student. So you go to med school and you do the rotations like any other physician might do. But then when you when it's your time to specialize and do residency and do all that extra training, that's when you decide, okay, I'm going to do psychiatry and focus in on the mental health piece. And really what you're trained to do there is figure out what medications are going to um, help folks with different mental health disorders. I mean, you still diagnose folks and then figure out what medications would be best. Um, Old school psychiatrists were also trained in talk therapy, not as thoroughly as clinical psychologists were or have always been. Now, I think more so they've done, they've um, sort of gone away from talk therapy and focus much more on medication. Okay, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, now they've kind of gotten a little background psychology versus psychiatry and therapy. Uh, I, I guess, like, I mean, it's, it's going to be a hard question. I'm not necessarily a hard question, but it's a complex question. I, I'm wondering, well, one, I'm wondering, what are you seeing in terms of how mental health is, is going for, how people are coping mm-hmm. um, with the pandemic just in general before we even talk about the holidays and all these other things? I, I'm assuming yeah. that you, you've got some patients and things that you're seeing that are it's trauma, then pandemic on top of trauma and pandemic. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is a hard time for everyone. And I think one of the things that's also unique as, as a therapist is that this is the first time for many of us who, you know, we are all going through this global trauma together. And so as I'm working with my clients, I am personally experiencing the trauma of a pandemic. Right. And so that brings a really interesting sort of dynamic that um, isn't present oftentimes in psychotherapy. Right. And and so many people's training of how psychotherapy should look like or should work. Right. Um, One of the one of the schools of thought is you present yourself as a sort of clean slate, blank slate and we're supposed to just be here for you to bounce your own stuff off of. Right. But in particular during the time of a pandemic, that's almost impossible when everyone's Mm -hmm. lives are just like out of control. So for me to present in that way would feel like I'm a robot. Right. (laughs) Um, So my clients ask me, how are you? How are you, Bianca? How are you holding up? Because they know much more about what my life situation looks like right now than they used to, right? They, they know I'm working at home. I'm either in my attic or in my basement. They know that we have a four-year-old running around, that my husband's at home too, you know, and that we're all trying to make this work as much as possible. Um, whereas before this uh, situation, folks, you know, didn't know such intimate details about all that. Yeah, we've all had to kind of make concessions on how yeah. we work and live in order to work and live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and that's why right now I'm not taking clients, right? Because I've had to seriously cut down my hours in order to be available to kind of do it all. Um, and so I've stuck with the people that I had at the beginning of this. And we've been sort of writing it out together. Um, 
I think everyone, everyone, top to bottom, has struggled at some point, right? There's, there's no group that has said like, oh no, 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 like I'm good. This is great. Like people with kids, people with no kids, people with jobs, people with no Thank jobs. Thank you for acknowledging <laughs> those of us who do not have children, by the way. Thank you. People Every seem to think it's easy. Like, well, you don't have kids. It should be great for you. We were just having this discussion yesterday because someone retweeted something from some idiot that <laughs> said, it's a privilege for people. People forget what a privilege yeah, not having it is children. to not have kid, not having children. Like it's a, you know, it's a choice for some, but it's not, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not for everyone. So maybe it's not that much of a privilege. Right. Yeah. And then uh, the, the assumption that because you, you don't have a responsibility of a child, but there are other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. There are people who are primary caretakers. There are people who, you know, in a lot of ways do give up um, their chance at family life to for professional pursuits or some people who cannot have kids or you know all this gambit of things but um there is that still that discussion about your value to society is what you can produce it you know with your and not everybody has kids with their body but if you don't have um a person who is younger than you that you are responsible for your value is um reduced but so i just want to say thank you for kind of acknowledging that that it's that that it yes you folks with children oh I don't know how y'all do it but you know thank you anyway I'm sorry I'll let you come in I was just going to say it's also a double-edged sword especially at this time for those that can't have kids that maybe really Mm -hmm. wanted to have children and now here's the season that like you know is all about gift giving Mm -hmm. and all about like helping kids Mm -hmm. or people that have lost children you know there's there's plenty of those that you know that doesn't go away that That feeling doesn't go away huge huge traumatic experience um so um it's yeah it's not as easy as just saying oh you chose not to have children or you're whatever something i struck a chord yesterday (laughs) elder has feelings (laughs) and understandable but i think that's probably what a good psychologist does i mean it acknowledges that you are in your certain position but there is no less value than someone else who is in a, in a different position. And I don't know if you're finding that you do have um, some clients that come to see you and they feel like, because I think that part of this, this struggle with mental health or this, this struggle with um, kind of dealing with life as is, we do a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes that's even worse than the actual thing, right? Like I could have done something wrong, but then I should have done it because should can lead you down a road. And yeah. so I don't know if you have clients or people who, who are, um, who are coming to see you or just in general in this conversation, um, that are like, well, I should be doing more or oh, I'm yeah. really tired. I should be doing my dishes, but I'm just really tired. For, like, I don't have to get in a car and drive to go to work, but I, sh- so I should do my dishes today or I should clean my house. And I don't know if, um, if, if that's something you just generally hear in your practice, but if that, if that's coming up more, because I kind of feel, and I don't want to speak for you, Helder, but I feel like a lot of this, like particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, when everyone thought, oh, we'll just stay home for like two weeks and everything will be great. Uh, and, and like all these lists were coming out, like all, you know, 50 books to read while you're in quarantine, learn how to break, make bread, 
learn how to knit. And then you have, you know, a lot of these folks on social media who are like, well, this is what I'm doing during the pandemic. I've learned how to like paint an entire house. See, you know, so anyway, I'm kind of, kind of asking you, what are you seeing that people are talking about when they come to see you just with this, just under the pandemic? Yeah. No, and uh, so a couple things, right? You bring up the good point of like social media shaming. I've seen a lot of these posts about this is a time where you got to get your side hustle together and where you got to start your business yes. and do all those things. And I'm like, like literally, we are trying Why to survive. Why did you invest that dollars that you got? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I I have to constantly remind my clients, and I have to constantly remind myself and like remind Robert. You know, we are surviving right now. And if we could just survive at the beginning in particular, but still now, if we could just survive the next hour, can we get through the next half a day? You know, and so for me personally, I've had to do a lot more of that. Like, okay, just got to make it through this moment, through this day. And I can't think about oh, in March, in June, when the vaccine, and oh, next Christmas, when everything, because we just, if, if we've learned anything from this pandemic is we can't tell the future, right? We cannot yes. predict what might come ahead. Uh, and so- And that's anxiety inducing yes. too, mm-hmm. that like trying to feel like, because we've, you know, I've had conversations with family overseas that I would love to just go and visit, or they would love us to come and visit. And that's just so hard to like even- you know, we do that. Oh, you know, when this is over, but it's like it's never going to be uh, over. Uh, That's how I feel from there. If, if we behaved, you know, like what if this country had behaved? Like that's anxiety-inducing as well. Where I've just been like, had we just listened from the start and listened to the science instead of, you know, the ones that want to burn the witches. Mm-hmm. So. And I want to point out that the whole should thing—it's actually what we call a cognitive distortion. Right. So I'm going to write that down. (laughs) So cognitive distortions, um, another way of putting it is like thinking mistakes. So we fall into these traps of the, of ways of thinking or these patterns that we have of of how we might think about certain situations. And this, the should thinking, the shoulding is actually one of these cognitive distortions where what comes out of that is anxiety, depression, right? We, we beat up, beat, beat ourselves up over this idea of like, this is what I could have been doing. And it's like, okay, but that's not reality. So we got to deal with reality and make a plan for what reality is, right? Rather than getting stuck in either the past or the future. Um, that is so well said. And that's very. Important. I want to put that like on repeat that and listen stuck in to both that those. before I go to sleep. Like, can you say <laughs> yeah. that? Can we? Can you repeat that again every single day? Um, because I do. I and I also feel like the should is. Um, I like the way you mentioned it. That it gets you stuck, right? Because I feel right. like I have this extra time. Y'all can't see me. I'm doing well. These folks can see me, but mm-hmm. audience, y'all can't see me. I'm doing quotes. Like you have this extra time. So you should be doing something with it. And that, and I feel like some of that is um, a rem, not even a remnant, it's, it's directly related to capitalism, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you know, your value is in what you can produce mm-hmm. and what you do. And then I think that we forget that sometimes sitting in the stillness, that is doing something like 
we are caught, we're not like, we're not machine. I mean, even machines, like we are not this endless stream of energy and that taking a break and to allow yourself to take that break. It, it refreshes you and allows you to go into that next minute, like you were saying. And I think that part of the issue that I wonder that we're having in terms of how we're dealing with the pandemic is that um, I feel like people are not, there's a large group of people who just don't want to accept that the world that we lived in before this, that is over. Mm -hmm. That is, it is completely done. Mm -hmm. And we're having these issues because we're trying to, um, rush, trying to go back to something that can't exist anymore. And then we're also in a, in a, and this is in state of emergency, really just worldwide state of emergency in our lifetimes. Right. And, but we're trying to force normalcy in unnormal times. Yep. And we're, we're trying to get people like, okay, just go to work like you normally do. Okay. Yes, I can go to work, but you know, even before factor in, like, are my kids going to, to school? Are they, staying home with me. Um, my mom might need me. My dad might need me. My uncle, this, I have to do. So we're trying to pretend things are normal when they're not. And I don't know if that's also, um, part of what you're seeing too, or, or, or because maybe not you, but perhaps if you're not fortunate enough to work in an environment that is understanding and supportive mm -hmm. of what's happening, that it's causing you additional stress because your boss wants you to work like you know, like it's, yeah. you know, December, 2019, as opposed to now. And just as a little aside of like things that I think about every day now is like not even wanting to go out sometimes and sort of almost like going from being an extroverted introvert who used to like and enjoy going out to now just being like, so like, I don't want to go mm -hmm. anywhere. Or if I know I need to go like the, the, like, it's almost the anxiety of like having to build around how to make all the proper stops. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like we can do this safely and like having just had a, my father having a COVID mm -hmm. exper uh, experience, you know, it was having been near someone that was COVID mm -hmm. positive and hearing stories about that. Like uh, one of our Twitter follow, uh, one of our Twitter friends that we talked to just experienced that with his wife where she came into contact mm -hmm. with someone. So all this stuff that like we're trying to like live like it's a normal life. This is not normal. All, I hate that word, but this yeah, is not normal. Are normal. No, and, and right. it's exhausting, right? Just doing. Oh my God, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I remember, and even still now, going to the grocery store, which is like something yep. I used to do you know, every other day just to pick up a loaf of bread or pick up some bananas, right? Now you like have to build up yourself, build yourself up like, okay, I got my mask, I got my sanitizer, I got this, I got that, right? And like, okay, let's take a deep breath, stay away from people. What do I need? Follow my rules. Like, follow my... Why are you so close to me in the line? <laughs> move back. Move back. And what are the rules here? Do I follow these arrows? Do I follow those arrows? Like, do, are they going to have arrows? Is there someone helping me know where I go to pay for stuff, right? It's just... Just the mundane, normal stuff we used to do is incredibly overwhelming and exhausting right now. And even like work, right? So I am super fortunate to be working from home, but again, I'm working from home with my whole family. And so, yeah, my four-year-old has meltdowns. And so here I am providing therapy to someone trying to be really in the moment and I hear, ah! <laughs> and so I'm, I'm the, Are you sure that's not Robert? <laughs> well, and then, you know, and that's like the next thing's like, oh no, is Robert going to be okay? <laughs> and so it's like, and then I have to tell myself, nope, I cannot, I can't, 
I can't just run out of therapy session right now to go check in on my family and make sure that everything's okay, right? Um, the other day, Bobby made it all the way up the stairs before I even noticed he was in the attic and he scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> 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 and interrupted therapy for like 10 minutes, you know, like he's waving hello to my client. Luckily, he, he has no concept, like no real idea. So my client was super understanding. She's like, he's so cute. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry we are interrupting therapy right now. But So that's another thing. Do you do, you do your therapy through Zoom? So yeah, um, I use an electronic health record system and they provide a HIPAA compliant um, teletherapy um, oh, okay. service. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, one of the things that's super exhausting oh. for a lot of people and working with students is like, being on a zoom all the time. Like I just saw a great comment where someone said like, this could have just been a phone call. What could have just been a phone call is now a freaking like zoom, like same thing. Like it could have just been an email. And it, I think it's gotten even more exhausting. Like I don't know about YouTube, but I'm currently on this zoom call. I have myself, I don't see my yeah. screen, so I don't see myself because that drives me up the wall. <laughs> yeah, like, looking at yourself too much I'm, is weird. Or like, is that what I look like? Then I start going, yeah. oh, wait. Even, yeah, even now when we're talking, I'm far enough away that I can't see certain. Well, I, I will say turn off right. the I I pretty much for work, I mean, luckily for me, um, yeah. there are people there are people who work in places where that now that you're physically not at work, talking about stress and then being exhausting, then in some cases, having to um, do uh, be at work at home for some people is very exhausting. Mm -hmm. Turn off the camera. Mm -hmm. I don't. Most of the yeah, time like my I camera mean, is not on um, because if you don't really need to see me, you don't need to see me. And if I don't feel like it, then I just don't feel like it. Not everyone has that option, but I will tell you, I'm not a mental health care professional, but I will tell you, if you could turn the camera off because you don't want it on, turn it off. Turn it off. I mean, for me, I, I do therapy with my therapist. We do a phone oh. call, which I'm so thankful about because then I can just move around the room or the house. Like I can actually multitask while doing therapy. And I'm like, sure. I that. like it's fine. <laughs> I, by multitask, I mean, I take the dog outside. <laughs> I might pick up a couple things. Put them aside. I'm, I'm just let not Deanna doing it. Say whether or not that's the best thing to do during a therapy <laughs> session. I just know that what I'm thinking is maybe not. <laughs> this is what happens when I bring in the professionals. <laughs> but I mean, are you finding Zoom fatigue or like just, oh, yeah. like this, yeah. this, not even like, I don't even know if it's just, Zoom. it's just, again, this trying to pretend, it's like your house is on, knock on wood, I'm superstitious, but it's like the house is on fire, but you're trying to pretend it's not on fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh no, it's fine. It's like that meme. It's, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> A little dog Everything in the fire. Fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one yes. of my favorite. Yeah. Or is your client like uh, raiding your room mentally while they're watching? Like I'm like, wait, what's behind me? Is there? Oh no. So what can they? That's see? why. I notice my background. This is my background. There's like, there's nothing. And it's like, this is it. This is all we got. <laughs> but I have had a client right. in the basement. We have old uh, paneling. And this client started talking about shadows and shades and, the, you know, I'm just like, maybe I need to get a different backdrop for this. Uh, <laughs> maybe here. we'll have you, you could do a Zoom background. <laughs> yeah. Now, would you, I, I would say that I have found um, that what's been helpful for me is that to be around people, and even though I don't know you very well, 
Diana, but I know Heather well, like we can talk about it. Like there, it's one thing maybe when you're at work and you have to have this pretense of having everything together because you're at work. But I find that for my kind of how to deal with this and how to get through the day is, is that I'm talking to people who are like, listen, this is a mess. You know, people that I feel close to and they're like, listen, I'm on my fifth Zoom call and I'm tired or I yep. know I'm, you know, I know I was like, I, I'm just so tired today. I'm taking a nap. I'm using my lunch break to take a nap or whatever it is. And would you say that that is a, a good coping mechanism? Because I think a lot of this time people are trying to pretend. I think there's a lot of pretending in some cases. Um, but would you say like having a circle of people around you that you can kind of talk about these things is, is helpful? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think anytime we can find it's it's like having a support group, right? So having other people that can support you in what you're experiencing and understand without having to explain it all, right? That people just get it. Um, that is definitely helpful. I have clients right now who are struggling with that because the their friends aren't having the same particular struggles that they're having. And so when they talk about work stress because of COVID, right? Because now they're working 10 hours a day at home, like you're saying. They, have, they don't have kids, but they're working 10 hours a day at home and it's out of control. And they're just like, this is insanity. And then friends are like, whatever. Like, what are you, everything's great. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And so then that home. person, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so these folks end up feeling very lonely and like they can't really turn to others to help them manage everything that comes up with this. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely helpful. I think the trick always is, right, is that balance is like making sure that we're not only talking about that, that we don't get just totally sucked into talking about mm -hmm. how terrible everything is because it's yeah. so easy right now, right? To only talk about how terrible everything is. Well, I know uh, one thing I was going to say about balance and work balance is uh, something I was, I learned early on in this situation um, was with trying to redesign of space to be able to accommodate work versus mm -hmm. home. So like I, and someone I worked with and was on a zoom call actually with him on, on, um, to talk about work. And I was pointing out how I liked his background. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, I had to create my own space in the basement. Uh, the family's upstairs. This is, you know, so I created a room space where it's like, this is where I do all my Trinity work. Mm -hmm. Like this is for all intents and purposes, uh, Trinity campus remote West End outfit, um, bureau. Um, bureau. And then I have like another space that's just for Zoom. So I know like, you know, for work Zooms, I have this other space. And I've been trying to do, like if I'm in these two spaces, I'm focusing on this, but the rest of the house is house. Like don't bring work into a different space unless it's like, you know, I have a very nice, it's nice weather and I can just go and sit outside for a change. But Listen, generally that's good like, for the spirit. Work, work one in in one space. And I, I think that's something a lot of people, and it's tough for a lot of people because people have small apartments, people have only so much space. Like, or everybody, your kids you know, are like home. And right. You have kids and yeah. So I've, I've seen, you know, people that are fortunate enough to do it. And then again, like that brings up that whole privilege mm -hmm. thing and feeling, you know, and sometimes like one of the things is that feeling guilty for feeling, for being fortunate to have certain things, I think is also a, a strange effect to have mentally. Um, I don't know about you guys, but just, you know, the idea of like, with all that's happening, like, 
we're lucky enough to be able to live in a space that wasn't as effect hasn't been as affected. It might be rising now, oh, it but is. still not like what's other, you know, it's not California. <laughs> it's not like Florida and other places, but or we can shield you know, ourselves if, even get, if it is right. Like how right, right. and we, we can stay shield at home. Mm-hmm. I think right you know, that idea of like guilt. I think one of the ways that we can work on that, you know, personally, I'm just thinking about how, how did we manage some of that for ourselves, right? So a lot of it is flipping that into gratitude, right? Just being grateful for what we do have. And then when we could, right, when um, things were financially a little bit, we had a little bit more financial freedom at the beginning of the whole pandemic, we uh, donated money to um, places that were fundraising money for people who just didn't have as much as we we did, right? So that's that was sort of like one of the things that we put into action for ourselves to um, combat that that guilt and continue, you know, sort of feeling that gratitude is if we have something, if we have fifty bucks that we could share with some other folks that don't have as much as we do, then let's do it. You know, um, I think the important thing and thinking about like the holidays, the important thing with that is making sure that you also, again, balance that and have your limits. Right. So we were able to do a certain amount of that. Like we're not millionaires. So no, I can't, we can't give millions away. We, we could give what we could give. And then come September, things got a lot tighter financially for us because of just um, Yukon and Trinity and all these sort of things, these entities that, you know, it's how we get money. And also because I've had to um, reduce my hours, financially things got a lot tighter. So we couldn't support in that way. Um, but like over the summer, um, one of the things I did was I did a fund, a birthday fundraiser for the mutual aid fund in Hartford. And, you know, again, it's like these little ways that I felt like instead of just sitting in my guilt, what can I do about that? Because I, I hear you, Helter, right? This It feels powerless to be like knowing that there's so many people who are, are at the whim of all sorts of stuff right now because of the pandemic. Um, and so what was the little bit that I could contribute? And so I was able to raise $2,000 and this little birthday fundraiser. And I was super grateful to my friends and my family who donated to that. Um, and I think that was one of the ways that I could turn that guilt into something um, sort of more positive. No, I love that. I love that idea of, because when you feel guilty and you feel bad, it is a, an emotion that can, you can easily feel like you can sit in, mm-hmm. you know, and flog right. yourself. It's like should. Guilt and mm-hmm. should are, are mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the, the way to codify it, but they feel like they're in that same family because they can keep you stuck mm-hmm. um thinking um like what what are kind of um off the top of your head and i know at some point you do have to go so make sure you know whenever you don't be, whenever you're ready just give us like oh 10 minutes 15 minutes whatever it is so um but um what would be the few things a few things that you can recommend um just dealing with the pandemic and then we can kind of talk about maybe the holiday aspects, but just, you know, my day to day dealing with this every day. Cause we've already talked. I love this idea of, you know, if you feel guilty, 
do something, you know, do something with a privilege that you have. I like this idea of kind of getting rid of shoulds. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other things do you think you could recommend? We should totally do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I should see, see, <laughs> no, see, not even gonna do it. It's like something. Something a friend of mine told me once when I was in a, a bad spot where I just kept saying, like, I need to do this, I need to do that. And she said, well, maybe it's time you stop thinking about needing to do something, like get rid of that, or I need this, or I need that. Just like kind of get rid of that idea because that's putting too much emphasis on these things that aren't there or like these, whatever it is that you say you need um, and focus on what you have and who you are and, and do that. So. Right. Well, I think also too that, you know, Helder and I have talked about it and I don't know if you feel the same way kind of be on it. Like, um, you know, I am the child of, you know, uh, I'm a first, gener- first generation American born. And so a lot of times when you have this background, like you, like it, it, it's like you feel bad, like, oh, I only have one job you know, or, right. you know, like, oh, you know, at my age, you know, by the time, you know, my mom was my age, she had done this and I'm just sitting here, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So I, so I don't, I, I mean, I literally this morning was doing something that I'm like, oh man, if my mother were here, she'd be thinking of this. And, you know, I've only lost her like nine months ago and I'm still just like, uh, I know at this time of year she'd be wanting this or that and like still going like, oh, but I got to take, you're not taking care of this properly. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Even though it's like something I've always done or or not, but like not being able to hear her agree or disagree with it is, is a tough thing right Mm -hmm. now. No. And I think that, that brings me actually to the idea of like compassion for ourselves. Right. And everything that we're going through right now. And I just keep coming back to that idea of like, we are surviving a pandemic. So everything that you do that's above surviving the day to me is just like amazing, right? So the fact that you can even put a podcast together, (laughs) that's amazing, right? The fact that you can eat healthy and not just survive the pandemic, but you can eat healthily during the pandemic. Um, That's amazing. And I think that's something that we have to, continue reminding ourselves of I know personally and also with my clients I think we all thought that this would get easier after nine months like yeah at some point we would adjust and it'll be easy and we'll figure it out and it's like no this is not this is never going to get easy we are never going to adjust to this because this is just not the way I think in many ways it's not the way we're meant to live right we are social beings um and so we're just not meant to live in crisis mode all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I think giving ourselves more compassion and more kudos for what we do get done every day. Like the fact that you did laundry, awesome. Like the fact that you cooked the meal or washed the dish, like good for you, awesome. The fact that we got out of bed today, like amazing, you know. See, you know, I needed this today. Yeah, you like my new hype woman. I love, I love it. You got out of bed today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like yeah, and and, and I guess like particularly um, now as we're settling into the holidays, and I know that um, we're really kind of centered because there's a kind of a, a we we think about Christmas, but not you know it's not just Christmas. I know mm-hmm. you know there are all other holidays that are around this time of year. So we do want to I do want to be clear that when we talk about the holidays, that we're trying to think of a larger thing that just than just Christian holidays. But 
like there are a lot of people. Well, it starts with Thanksgiving, like at least for right. Americans. You know, it starts with, with us giving thanks for something, and that's well, actually, you know, look at what's just come through. Well, well, actually, it's like, oh, are these Native American people who've been on this land for many, many years? Let's come along and take it and kill them. Thanks, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm that person, Viana. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> But yes, you know, it has it has morphed into something different than than what its origins yeah, are absolutely. or have been. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, there's that space of, you know, six weeks, essentially, up until like for some uh, <clears throat> Three Kings uh-huh. Day. Like, I mean, I know my family celebrated it in some fashion. So that's when my tree comes down as an mm-hmm. honor. I didn't know you celebrated Three Kings Day over there. Portuguese oh. do, yeah. I mean, not in the way that, that Puerto Ricans do, but yeah. We have a, we have, we do, we do a mass, but there's also, I think that was also part of like giving gifts actually originally was on three Kings day from what I recall as a kid being told, but that was here when I was here, we wouldn't have that, that, uh, idea. So Christmas was our thing. So basically, yes, we've got all these holidays that are now like mixing. And that's again, like you said, Vivian, not just the Christian holidays, but all the um, different holidays that are happening, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Um, what am I missing? That's also happening at this time. The solstice, does that kind of go? I, I feel like that's a holiday. The solstice, yes. New Year's was New Year's was a very big deal to me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it still is for a lot of people, and that's going to be a difficult one this year. And, oh, please, I remember how um, I started New Year's. I'm like, yeah, oh, <laughs> guess not. Yeah. <laughs> we're told for that. Now. I know we're too. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing to think about. It's like age mm-hmm. and like how we're all feeling aged and like in some ways, mm-hmm. like I know some of us have said we've aged <laughs> decades in this nine months because this nine months seems to take forever. But just so many other things, like trauma ages mm-hmm. you, like mentally, physically, um, yeah, and just how that's affecting people. Yeah, and and what would you say, Viana? Like how. Um, I guess there's a couple of different roads to um, coping during the holidays as it relates to families mm-hmm. or family. Um, I'm thinking about maybe the people who, because there's a lot of people that you know that are close to their family. You know, they, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe we do a big Christmas, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa thing, and we are now canceling it because of COVID and we want to be mindful. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a person who is um, maybe not coping with it well. Like people, um, there are people who are family members and maybe I know a lot of folks have unofficial pods. I myself have an unofficial pod holder is mm-hmm. one of the members of, of that pod. But there are people who are like, I'm the family member who is the farthest away. Mm-hmm. Um, or everybody else lives there and I live here. So what kind of things can you, can you, can you say to those folks who are just trying to cope with the fact that their family is their support system, but they can't be with their family in the way that they would like at this time. Or adoptive family, whatever. Family's a broad thing, and it's not just by blood. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, like Helder mentioned, right, this was a big thing that started in Thanksgiving, and we saw how many people traveled despite everything, right? And so some people made the choice for themselves that, it was more important for them to be with their families um, than to adhere to the, you know, warnings and all that sort of stuff. And for some folks, you know, I know of um, people who have tried to do that in a safe way, right? So, mm-hmm. 
everyone agrees yep. to yeah like everyone agrees to um quarantine for two two weeks before meeting up together or once we do meet up together we quarantine in different spaces in the house and all of our activities are outdoors for a period of time before we spend time together with each other um so you know for certain folks who can make that work and, and i think if we're being if if it's really important to you and you're making being it realistic mm -hmm. yeah you're being realistic not everyone's going to or will yeah. want to not see family yeah um and so you know you got like I, I have to we all have to kind of respect that to a certain degree i know it makes other people angry and all that sort of stuff like i get that um but at the same time we just we can't control everyone right and so and some people it's a really a mental health issue as you yeah. know like it's like i know i'm putting my life at risk but it's like i haven't seen my pa my parents for eight months for those mm -hmm. folks who have parents or you know mm -hmm. i haven't seen my aunt who is sick and i just don't you know whatever it is mm -hmm. so people are making those oh, choices like, yeah yep i know some people that have moved out of state or country and like their family member is you know going to quarantine for two weeks to make sure that they can spend this particular holiday with them, yeah. you know, um, or did prior to that. So I, it's, these are the responsible people that are doing it responsibly. Yeah. The problem we're facing is the stress that it's causing all of us that are seeing people not behave responsibly mm -hmm. and not just stress that it's causing us. It's the stress is coming from how much they are affecting just people's lives and keeping mm -hmm. things from escalating. Yeah. And it's stressful to think that like we have, people in our society that just can't think beyond themselves mm -hmm. and consider, you know, consider the society and community as a whole versus like just their little, you know, their little insular space, which tends to be them. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, um, the other important thing is when we are having a hard time with all this is trying to keep that peace in mind of, but I, you know, I'm doing this to keep myself and my family safe. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have been very strict here in our household and in big part, it's because not only do I want to keep myself safe, but I want to keep my husband safe and especially my kiddo safe. Right. We, we don't. And so that motivates the three of us, even even our little guy has been trained in like keeping his distance and he's got you know he's amazing at wearing his mask and keeping his distance and all that sort of stuff um because he doesn't want to get sick he doesn't want us to get sick and he voices that he said you know he will express that um and we don't want to get our family members sick right we don't want to get our, our siblings and our nieces and nephews and parents and all that sort of stuff sick so um if we ever do meet with family and we've, you know, we've, we've done this sort of rarely throughout the nine months, but when we do, it's always outdoors and we're still always, you know, feet apart. Um, and we don't give hugs. And I know that's tough for particularly our moms, <laughs> but you know, we've made it very clear that that's our boundary. We just, we don't give hugs. Um, and they might feel differently in other spaces with other people. They might do other things and that's their choice. Mm -hmm. But as a family, these are the boundaries that we have enforced for ourselves to make sure that we are keeping ourselves and everyone 
around us as safe as possible. And so I think that's one of the things with just holidays in general, right, is getting to that point of being able to advocate for your own limits and your own boundaries, whether it's financially, whether it's this idea of visiting one another, because even before the pandemic, like we've mentioned, the holidays were stressful. Um, and, And I can say personally for me, one of the things that was stressful was I had, we did the four Christmases thing. We would visit this house and then that house and the other house and the other house. And so we would take a full week visiting everybody (laughs) to do Christmas with everyone. That got exhausting and old after so many years of doing that. And so again, for us, we implemented the, okay, we're not, we're not going to go crazy. We see who we can. We have, you know, again, we have like the, the main folks that we make a priority, to be honest, right? And then um, if we are able to find the time to see other folks when we can, we do. And maybe it's not during Christmas week. Maybe it's in January. Um, but the important thing is, is that we'll get together, you know, whenever we can. So, so this was before, but that was a boundary, sort of a limit that we had to put for ourselves. Um, and again, people might not always be happy with us, but in the end, you know, you have to decide what's going to help with your own mental health, with your mm-hmm. own um, mm-hmm. well-being. And that's what, what I advocate for, right? To make oh. sure that you're doing what you need to do for yourself. Okay. And what would you say, I guess, to someone, because there are situations where, um, there are people who have family members and some of them may not be taking the same kind of precautions. Mm-hmm. Maybe the person, you know, maybe that person's immunocompromised or just doesn't feel comfortable. So what do you, what kind of, what would you say to somebody who's dealing with family members who are like, oh, you know, my grandma's mad because we refuse, you know, I refuse or we refuse to kind of come for holiday, you know, the holiday dinner, um, you know, what, what would you say to them? I like that idea of maintaining a boundary. Mm-hmm. And it's really to keep yourself and those close to you safe. What would you, you know, it seems like this is just another, the advice would be another way to enforce a boundary, but how do you do that when in some cases that person is made to be the bad guy? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, explaining at this point, we all understand why, right? But just making it clear to that person, <laughs> making it clear to that person, I'm sorry you're upset with me, but in the end, this is what I need to do. And maybe we can problem solve some things, right? Maybe we can do a Zoom thing where I call you and we can still see each other on the holiday. We can still exchange gifts, even if it's by mail maybe I can see you for 10, 15 minutes outdoors, right? Uh, I'll be at, on my lawn or you'll be on, in your backyard or whatever it might be, and we can still see each other for a little bit. Um, but it won't be in your house without masks for hours and hours, right? So kind of trying to find a middle ground where we can, neither of us is going to be fully happy right? It's a compromise, right? You're not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy, but we're going to do the best that we can. Um, so that at least we can get some, you know, we can feel, we can both feel kind of fulfilled in, in this yeah. arrangement. No, that's a great idea. You know, what's, 
what's tough for some people or families anyway is like when it's say an in-law that's not appreciative of like one partner's idea of it and that becomes that's you know unfortunately causing a lot of stress with people I've heard of um like I can think of two people specifically I know like that aren't here but in different states and their families in another state and they're just they're they know that that family's not been responsible with stuff and Um, so I can share my whole family lives in New Jersey I'm the only one here right that's as far as biological family uh, and so I've right. missed everything. I've missed everything back home. Um, and at the beginning, my family had a really hard time with that. I missed my brother's wedding, my baby brother, I missed his wedding. And it was actually, his wedding was on March 14th. Oh and my so, goodness. Yeah. Right. And, and so in that week, I was already calling my family and being like, guys, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think I'm, we're going to make it. I'm, and I got myself ready on that Thursday, nails done, every, you know. And then by that Friday, when it was made official that everything was shutting down in Connecticut, I told my family in tears, right? Like, I, I, I cannot justify going to this wedding knowing what's happening right now because I can't put my family at risk. I just can't do it. And my mom was definitely not happy with me. You know, my now sister-in-law was not happy with me, but that was what we needed to do for, for my, my family unit here. Um, and then lo and behold, we don't know that it was COVID, but we got all three of us got severely sick for at least two weeks that same Sunday, you know? And so like Bobby had a fever all week long. We had to take them to the pediatrician with masks on and everything, um, you know. And once that happened, my mom was like, "Thank God you guys didn't come to New Jersey, right?" And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and because of that, because she knew that had he gotten sick, and then we couldn't say that it wasn't because we went to New Jersey, that then we would have felt terrible about it and we would have been really angry about it, right? Mm-hmm. To have felt like guilted into this trip. Um, but she also knew, um, that had, again, we don't know, right. That it was, or it wasn't COVID. We just don't know. So what if we were infected and then we infected everybody there, right? That would have been terrible. And we've heard about wedding that, that has happened at, I mean, I think I guess the answer and really, funerals. I heard about, a, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, mean, I that's I, even more tragic. I, I have to admit, I had um, a family member, you know, very long time family member, um, they passed away and there was for me understand it was right around march you know it was right around march um and it was it was challenging because first of all people should not just death in general um uh and then it was a situation where you know you can't like i couldn't treat it the same way did make the decision to go to the funeral um i wore a mask um, I didn't come in contact, you know, I, you know, maintained social distance, but there was that challenge because one of, because one of the people involved in it was in tears. And your first mm-hmm. inclination is to want to hug someone because they are struggling with something very understandably different. And that I had to like hold myself back because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't because I don't know if I'm sick. I, I, yeah. And so it was just like, right. you know, this constant readjustment, but I guess ultimately, you know, 
let's be honest, we're all going to kind of navigate and do, we're all, so many of us are taking calculated risks. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the ultimate answer is you have to be okay with, you know, to be on this point about her family being upset about the wedding, but you have to be okay knowing that you're making a decision that feels the best for you. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with and the backlash. I mean, and not that there was a lot of it's not uh, right. And then one way to frame that is that you're making a decision for yourself, but for everyone mm -hmm. else, like you're doing what you know is right to save and keep other people right. safe. You know, I was dealing with that challenge a lot um, early on in the, with my father and with my mother, but then, you know, taking on my, you know, being just my father and I having to challenge that and, you know, he came around to it, but also like, I'd see my uncle just kind of like sometimes not paying attention and be like, you can't just do these things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like case in point when my father was just near someone that was COVID positive and he, my father was thankfully wearing a mask. The other person wasn't who has now since passed away from oh. COVID. So, you know, making sure that he stayed, I, you know, he stayed at home, he stayed quarantined until we got the test done. Um, and then myself, like, what was I supposed to do? Because he had been over my house immediately after for long periods of time for two, three days straight before we knew of the incident, mm -hmm. you know, and taking it upon myself, like, what are the steps I need to take and having, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a workspace that's going to talk us through and work these things out and, and tell us what we need. And we have really good uh, medical professionals on hand that are doing that. So it's, um, but it's, yeah, it's navigating a whole new mm -hmm. space that we have to do going forward and have been needing to do yeah. and how that affects our mental space. Cause now we really are just like, there's just so many elements now and it gets tired yeah, and you know, I know we've been exhausting. saying that a lot. So it's yeah. exhausting. We need to take our time and, uh, there's a great, thing I saw yesterday where someone was talking about um, getting a, an email from someone. Um, and this is more about respecting people's boundaries and your own boundaries at home, where they got an email from someone that said, I emailed you three as per the email from three days ago. And that person went and did the math and was like, so this is a Monday morning at 815. You sent that email at 445 on Friday. No. No. That's half an hour that's 30 minutes ago is when you sent it because you don't you're not entitled to my yeah. weekend you're not entitled to the end of my day on friday or even the first thing in the morning so creating that mental space like that we need to do to like keep you know just because we're working from home now doesn't mean we're working from home 24 7 but unfortunately that's how it's been feeling to a lot of well, people well some people have had that expectation um mm -hmm. i know where yeah. i am i i not at my place of employment, but um, somebody that I was talking to, um, they had mentioned that their boss was saying, well, okay, now you don't have to travel to work. That time that you were using yep. to get in your car and drive to work and come into the office, you could be working. That's terrible. And it's ridiculous. Yep. Well, I had, yeah. I had a boss that, like a previous boss at a previous institution that was like mm -hmm. that. She literally quoted, we because it shook all of us when we heard it in a meeting said, I expect you to have your phones by your nightstand in case something happens in the what? middle of the night. That's insane. Like yeah. you're not paying me yeah. for that. Right. right. You know, if you're in your cars, like you should still be able to take a call. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I think she even said one time that she actually like checked her email. And that was top down. That was because mm -hmm. the leader of the, of the institution was also expecting that type of, um, 
that type of commitment from people underneath her that that was passing down into like someone that didn't know the boundaries and wouldn't give you the boundaries. So, yeah. So it's, yeah. we need to set our boundaries. What, what do you, I guess, um, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a good segue then. What do you do, um, Biana, in terms of advising someone who's dealing with this professionally? Cause it's one thing when it's your, your aunt TT or your friend, so-and-so, if they get mad at you, you know, there's a level of investment they already have in you. You, you can work that relationship out. But if you are in a place of, in, I know, right? Hopefully. Um, but if you are in a place of employment and pretty much all of us need to work because none of, I'm not a millionaire either. So um, what kind of advice do you give to someone who, yeah, they have that boss who's like, well, you know, that time you'd, you'd be spending driving, you could be working. Mm-hmm. And where they don't have boundaries. So how do you maintain your mental, your, your mental health in this time when people around you are treating like, oh, well, we can get more out of you now. Yeah, no, I definitely have, um, I can think of one client in particular who's in that situation. And I think, you know, it is so hard. I think my hope would be that you could advocate for yourself and say something to that person, whether it's on your own or, you know, band together with the group of folks who works for this person and say, you know, we just have some concerns about the expectations um, and be able to talk it out, but I understand that there's some people that are not reasonable, right? And so, no. <laughs> so one of the, um, you know, I think some of the things that I've been working through with this client in particular is the idea of taking lunch breaks, right? Mm-hmm. Don't keep working through lunch. You are entitled to a lunch break. How did you hear that? Helder, did you hear that? Oh, I've actually, I've actually, and I had this conversation with my boss, um, specifically my supervisor, uh, that I've now set up one hour mm-hmm. on my calendar at noon that no one is allowed mm-hmm. to book. Like I just, every day now, um, and I notified, you know, I told her that's what I was doing and she's like, that's perfect. I'm not going to get in your way mm-hmm. for that. Um, my thing has been to kind of like break up my day in various spaces. Yeah. So I do end up working a little bit later, but I mean, a like my thing has been, well, I'm not freaking going any place. So if I work until seven and then whatever, um, you know, as long as my work gets done day to day, that's what matters. Um, but yeah, it's, but I definitely have like me, like here's one specific time during the work day that like is my little space. Like I don't need a Zoom meeting during that yeah. time. Yep, absolutely. And then along with that, like you're saying, taking other breaks, right? Going for a walk around the block for 10 minutes, going mm. to your backyard for 10 minutes, right? So that um, you're at least sprinkling in breaks throughout the day and not just stuck doing work all day long. And that, and my hope is that you can have limits to, okay, I'm going to start at 8 a.m. and be done by 6 p.m. You know, it's, that's a long day. Um, but that, you know, whatever the hours are that you're supposed to fulfill and that you can fulfill, that those are sort of respected. Um, right. And they have, again, limits around that. I mean, the other tough thing right now is also like being like, oh, I have a sick day. Like, what does that mean now when, like, you're working from home, but also... You, you, you take the day. So this is another thing. You take thing. the day. Yes. yes. I, okay. I've, I've had so to do that. I took the whole week of Thanksgiving break off, right? 
And where did I go? My living room. (laughs) You know, I didn't go anywhere. We didn't do, we didn't do much of anything, but it meant that I could sleep in a little bit more. It meant that I could take my time during lunch. I didn't have to rush back to be on telehealth Zoom stuff. Right. And I I just had a little bit more breathing room. I do want to kind of uh, think about what kind of coping mechanisms specifically. I know we talk about holidays and and somehow sometimes how it's not um, happy for everyone. Mm -hmm. And usually we we tend to talk about it in terms of grief and loss, which is real. And everybody Mm -hmm. has a grief and loss usually around the holidays. Um, and I, I want to talk about that too, but first, I think there's a group of people that doesn't get um, recognized a lot when we start having this talk about the holidays are people who have strange and estranged relationships with their mm-hmm. families. And how, um, how do you, because everyone's like, oh, I'm going to, well, not now, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. I'm going to my mom's house in Hawaii, I'm going here to my dad's house in, you know, Pomfret or wherever. But if you're the person who's like, yeah, I haven't talked to my dad in 10 years because, you know, we've had a strange relationship for whatever reason, or I don't talk to my mother because she was very abusive to me and it was healthier for me to cut her off. What do you, what do you say? And I, and, and yeah, what do you say to that, to that, to that group? Cause that's a, that's a, I feel like grief is, it's a, it's a, um, it's an answer. It's not the answer you want. Let me be clear. It's not the answer you want, mm-hmm. but there is an answer. But I think with some of these relationships that are strained, it's, it's so much harder because that person's there, mm-hmm. but they're not it's part a different, of their life. It's a different form of grief, right? I mean, it's, there's still grief yes. there, um, but it's a different type of grief. And, you know, I think my hope for folks who are struggling with something like that would be that either they have some sort of family connection somewhere else, right? Maybe a cousin, maybe an aunt, somebody else that they could go to, or they have a partner who has family that they could go to, or even just you and your partner, right? Like that's, that could be family enough, but also just Mm -hmm. friends, right? That, is there a, a good friend that I can spend time with? The hope would be that, right, if I have this good friend, they probably idea. know about my situation. And hopefully either they invite me automatically or I can, you know, talk about this whole situation, how tough the holidays are, and see would it be possible um, to, to join some folks I'll say one thing that we do too is um, we we have our holidays with our family members, but then we we have a core group of good friends that we do get together for Christmas time and we do like a little Christmas exchange, right? And so could could you set something up like that? Maybe it's not on Christmas Day itself, but still get together with friends and still have a holiday sort of thing. Um, that that isn't necessarily on Christmas Day, right? If, if it feels like it's too awkward or too weird or something to be part of it. But my hope would be that you could find some other group that maybe, um, you- oh. <laughs> my, my hope would be that it could be some other group um, that you could sort of rely on that might not be that particular sort of estranged family person. Um, and if not, maybe starting up your own tradition, 
right? So starting up your own thing that you might do on the holidays that doesn't necessarily follow the script of what the holidays look like. It makes me think about that movie, Four Christmases, where the couple, they go on vacation, right? And that's that's their own little tradition is that they go on vacation and they actually don't want to be with their family at all. Um, and that's their tradition during the holidays. Well, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the idea of Friendsgiving where people that, yes. because it's such a general, not everyone takes that the way they would take like a religious holiday, I guess, for better lack of a better phrasing or spiritual holiday for mm-hmm. for some of these bigger holidays that we see in December. But like, for instance, with my family, um, because we're sort of all spread out a bit over states now and um, and at the time when my mother's health was, was starting to go and she didn't feel comfortable traveling at all, even to like certain people's houses, she would come over here and we would we actually shared the last couple of Christmases with my next door neighbors mm-hmm. and their family who would come travel from... Um, from Massachusetts and New York and sort of almost became like a second family, have become a second family to us and um, definitely a, a second support group to really mm-hmm. help through uh, through transition periods. And, you know, for one of the reasons we, Vivian and I have started this conversation had to do with like the fact that, you know, she lost her mom relatively mm-hmm. uh, recently within the last few years and I just lost my mother. So this is going to be that first mm-hmm. period of, of Christmas without her, um, you know, we already just had the first, uh, first Thanksgiving, which was, mm-hmm. it was not as hard as we thought it was going to be, but at the same time, the, you know, that feeling of loss is still there that, you know, mm-hmm. for some, for, I think we had a lot more, uh, quiet version of it. Away. Um, mm-hmm. right. You know, and I'm <clears throat> for holidays like this, I'm not a stranger to that. We lost my uncle in 99, right around Christmas, literally two days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And there's been several losses um, around the holidays that we, or at least sometime within that space that like has caused to have that holiday without someone type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it does become a tough time. And, you know, I think of a, cause this show somehow inevitably always has to have a gremlins take. Um, one of the threads in, in the gremlins movie is that, uh, Phoebe Cates' character hates Christmas because she lost her father at Christmas time in this kind of tragic experience. And and uh, I think about that a lot since I saw that as a kid and like the idea of like, yeah. how would one really, like we actually lost a family member to a very tragic situation, a car crash at Christmas oh, time because of coming from a Christmas party. Um, oh, geez. Yeah, they, they stopped for, they were stopped and another car came barreling from behind them. Oh. And we, yeah, it's, it was very horrible and tragic. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, it's supposed to be this festival, but and so many suicides happen at this time. So mm-hmm. many different things can, um, you know, a lot of families suffer at this time. So how do we mm-hmm. engage that, you know, at this particular moment where we're so separated, how, I mean, are there things that are happening that in, in your field that people are suggesting or pointing out to, to help each other, um, mm-hmm. cult, uh, to help each other cope. I mean, so mm-hmm. many, so much loss this year with yeah. almost 300,000 people yeah. losing their family members. And, um, and some folks we... can't even have funerals, so you can't even close mm-hmm. a chapter in a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that um, 
is often sort of recommended for grief and particularly around the holidays is the idea of, I was mentioning this idea of like new traditions, but also like, like kind of like some sort of like ritual, right? Can, is there a way that we can have this person be a part of our holiday um, that maybe honors them in some sort of way that um, makes them maybe, you know, we can talk about good memories, happy memories, and it, there's always sadness there, but the hope is that we can also get to sort of funny memories, right? Memories that bring laughter and joy, but also, um, you, you know, we have, some folks have the tradition of pouring out a bit of a drink on the sidewalk type of thing, right? And like, that's for our past loved ones and um, thinking of some sort of little tradition or ritual that we can do, maybe lighting a candle for that person, right? Especially I know uh, being raised Catholic, right? Um, candles and churches and lighting candles and saying a prayer for, for our loved ones. Um, that's a way that we honor them. So thinking about a way that maybe we can have them be a part of that holiday, um, you know, that feels kind of warm, good, fulfilling for us. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's definitely a very great idea because they're there and they're not there. Mm -hmm. right. uh, I also, I, I don't, um, one of the things I kind of, uh, I say for myself and I feel like, um, because I feel like America is an uber positive society in terms of like, like and, and I call it toxic positivity. Yep, and it is. Um, it is. <laughs> it, it's too much. It's like, did you break your, did you break your leg? Well, you should be grateful. You didn't break the other one. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I can be sad that I broke my leg. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you positive vibes only. And, and part of the things that I kind of say around this time is it's okay to be sad. Absolutely. Like sometimes it, and I just feel like in life, it is okay to be sad mm -hmm. because these are natural emotions um, to go through as a person. So it is, perfectly acceptable for you to feel like I'm celebrating this, this happy time of year and I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And to give yourself the space to feel that because sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, going back to the conversation about the should, you're like, well, I should feel happy. I should, 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 should. I have a job. I have two kids, even though, you know, some, something else or whatever it is you're going through. And to just give yourself a reasonable amount of time and space to acknowledge your sadness can sometimes also be a, a good way to get through it. And I don't, I don't know what you think about that, but I found that that has been useful and helpful just in life in general. Absolutely. I think yeah. we should really like work in airing of grievances into all holidays. That should help mm -hmm. out a lot, especially in Zoom. Might cause some fights though. Might cause some fights. <laughs> <laughs> no, but absolutely. Right. Um, it is expected that during this time, we're going to miss folks that are no longer around, whether that's a breakup, right? Kids whose families may be divorced and now we have to navigate the situation or death or, you know, there's all sorts of forms of loss, right? Estranged family members, like you've mentioned, or people who, you know, deported, right? So folks who have been deported and so, it, it is expected that we're going to have all sorts of emotions during this time. And 
we have to acknowledge those. We have to accept those. We have to reach out to other folks, friends, family, a therapist, whoever it might need to be, um, to be able to talk about that and get support around that. Um, and I'll say, you know, January becomes a really popular month for people seeking therapy. It's one of our high intake months because in part because of the holidays, right? Because of all the emotions that come up during this time um, and the need for extra support after having gone through the holidays. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. It, it's normal and expected for this to not be a happy time for a lot of people and especially this year for so many reasons. Um, well, thank you for saying that though, because it feels like um, again, going back to this kind of toxic positivity, as soon as you express a negative emotion immediately, and I know where people are coming from a lot of times, it's, it is coming from a good place because when you care about someone, you don't want them to feel bad. But, um, you know, to hear somebody, especially somebody who does this for a living to say, we should expect that this time is going to be sad and you are okay for, it is perfectly okay for you to feel sad. In fact, I'll be surprised if you were not. So to, I think there's, you know, if I could think about something, I said, normalize allowing people to feel sad. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And it's also just stressful, right? Let alone all that stuff, it's just stressful to like, okay, buy gifts for people. And especially this year, I know I'm going through this, like, how am I going to get gifts to people when my family lives in New Jersey and we're not going to get together with anyone for the holidays? And, you know, um, just in the, the financial piece of it too, right? Or having to limit like IQ, setting yourself on a budget so that you're not <laughs> entering the new year with new financial stress and debt. Um, so it, there are all sorts of overwhelming feelings during this time. Yeah, well, good. And I know you probably have to go, so, um, <laughs> but we will definitely have you back. We would love to have you back. Um, so, this is great. Thank Keep you your for calendar me. open. If people need to get in touch with you or what's the best way that if they have questions or wanted to follow up or anything. Yep. So um, I have a website. It's called vianawellness.com. So V-I-A-N-A wellness.com. Uh, and you can, find, you can find my email address and all that sort of stuff there psychologytoday.com is a great resource for finding therapists, right? psychologytoday.com. Um, and then they have betterhelp.com now. Um, they have a bunch of different resources. Let me see if I can find one more. Um, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the other ones. Well, if you um, just kind of think of what you were saying, I was um, when you're talking about looking at for a therapist, I think that um, what I always try to say is that cultural competency is really important. And I really like the fact that you touched on the, that you touched on um, some of the challenges that you had, um, some of the challenges that um, that you have if you're if if you're not English speaking and you were a resource for folks who were um, Spanish speakers and that it is okay that if this is a relationship and you're talking about very personal things with someone. And so maybe your therapist doesn't look like you if it's nice if they do, but they should have cultural competency. So if I'm sitting here talking about the effects of racism um, on my mental health and 
you know, my therapist says, well, girl, is, are you sure it's not all in your head? Then that's, you know, probably not a good fit. I don't know if there's anything you want to say uh, just in terms of it's one thing to find someone, but then there's another thing to, to mesh and vibe with that person. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I have had people tell me horror stories about having met with incompetent, culturally incompetent therapists. Um, and um, it's one of the reasons why people end up leaving therapy, right? So I know that there are folks out there and it's a big problem, but my hope is that either reach out to somebody that you know has done therapy, right? And so maybe they have um, someone that they could refer you to and, and maybe that person's not available, but that person, right? That, that therapist could refer you to somebody. Um, I know personally, I have a lot of friends and family who reach out to me all the time for therapy referrals. And so I can't necessarily work with them, but I can help them find somebody to work with. Um, so using the folks in your network to try and reach out to other folks. And, and I will send you an article um, that you can maybe post online that actually speaks to this in particular, the idea of an anti-racist therapist and questions that you can ask nice. your therapist on, um, about, you know, just general knowledge. <laughs> like and to figure out Do you know what racism is yeah exactly exactly um to be able to figure out you know is this person gonna be on the same page with me perfect 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 um well i want to shout out viana again for uh agreeing to be on the show oh thank yes, you so much you are totally our shadow <laughs> yes thanks so much for having me i had a lot of fun <laughs> What's your article going to be called? Worst Shriek Ever? Hey, this is not my fault. This is what Christmas does to people. We put too much meaning into it, and it lets us down. We beg to differ. What are you doing back here? Saving Christmas. Everybody, point your magic Christmas weapons at it! Oh, brother. This is ridiculous. You are enabling a delusion. The delusion you're trying to cure is called Christmas, Duncan. It's the crazy notion that the longest, coldest, darkest nights can be the warmest and brightest. Yeah, and when we all agree to support each other in that insanity, something even crazier happens. It becomes true. Works every year, like clockwork. Try telling that to your catatonic friend. I got a better idea. Why don't we sing it? Wait, what? Yeah, let's not go overboard. Will you two commit to something for a change? That was a lot of fun to revisit. It was great to like hear that episode. Remind us why we do this, because we enjoyed talking with each other and talking with our friends and talking about things that are important to us and people we know who might not openly discuss mental mm -hmm. health, mm -hmm. what they're going through, and ways that they can get through things. Especially yep. And listen, everybody times. is going through it. Not to be that person, but literally everybody's going through it. Oh, I yeah. promise you, you are not in the in the minority in this case. Do not feel bad. Do not feel ashamed. I promise. You haven't even commented about my haircut, so there you go. Well, because I've only life. seen you from the front. How could I see in the back if you have the ponytail? No, I haven't cut my hair. I'm just being see? a dick. See? I'm just being a jerk. <sighs> All right, anyway. well, let's wrap this up because people have been listening, if they're still listening.
Uh, <laughs> Send us a message you, on, they, on social media if you're still listening after I'm sure that long episode. Filter to like filter me out. Oh, All I'm right. sure they don't. So, Vivian, what would you say you've been doing for self care? Self care, I will say now that it's colder and it gets Can darker. Can you do that again because you tapped your microphone? Oh, did I? Um, now that it's colder and it gets darker earlier, um, I love a good hot bath. Like so hot that like you can just barely get in and be really, really hot. Those are great. They help the spirit. If you have anything that smells good, whether it's like a nice bubble bath or a nice, you know, bath salt, um, those are good for the spirit. So I would, I would recommend them. Definitely. How about you? What are you doing for self-care? For self-care, I have been unplugging when I can to like just Oh, do not disturb. Away. Notifications turned do off, Helder. Turn off my notifications. Lie down, not turn up any music or anything. Just kind of like go into my little spaces and be on my own for a moment to just kind of give myself some space and some time to kind of power down or, or or come down from stuff. So that's been my moment of self-care is just really identifying things that I need to being able to identify the things I never realized were happening, especially with my ADHD of just like and my anxiety and, and all of that. And being able to say like, here's a moment where I need to shut down, step away take a moment and reflect and just kind of pass it along. Also a lot of physical therapy as well. Oh, well see that counts. That counts. I mean, it's true. I think we underestimate just stop. Like whenever Mm -hmm. you can sometimes just stop or turn it off or take a deep breath, something that's, that's good. Helder. Look at you growing as a person. It's only taken however many years because I refuse to state how old I am right now. <laughs> Especially with, an, with a birthday coming up. Anyway, um, what have people been sleeping on? Well, I would say, am I going first? I'm assuming you're asking me because you want me to go first. I'm asking you, what if, what okay. do you think people have been sleeping on? Well, I, and I know we, as we're, as we're getting back, you say sleeping on, it's a mix of you're sleeping on, other people have been sleeping Correct. on. Yeah. Um, so mine will be in the category of I was sleeping on, I suppose. And one is I don't want other people to sleep on. Um, as, as anyone who listens to this show knows, I am a podcast junkie. I have a problem. Yes, I know. Um, That's but, why you have a podcast. Hello. Um, but I have three. Yes, three that I want to recommend um, because I want everybody to listen to them. Um, and uh, my first one is called uh, The Plot Thickens. It's run by AMC. So AMC, that lovely channel um, that shows uh, The Walking Dead, or they used to, or they still do. Um, but they have a podcast called, or no, it's TMC, same company, I think. Anyway, the movie channel, the one that, not the TMC. The Cla- Turner Classic Movies. What? Thank you. I knew I'd get it. Just give me a moment. I'm rusty. They're, they're actually all owned by the same company. See, I knew I was Discovery right. Discovery Plus. 
<laughs> and um, they have a podcast called The Plot Thickens. And every season they focus on um, a different person. And uh, this is their third season. And their third season is about the legendary, the amazing, the wonderful Pam Greer. Helder, I can't even tell you how this podcast has just brought me joy. There's so many facts and so many interesting things that I learned about her. Um, she actually was a backup singer. She be- she did some backup work for like Sly and the Family Stone. Um, I love that they gave her credit where credit was due. And I never thought of it this way, but they really did. They really were like, oh, well, she was the first action star that was a woman. And I was like, yes, that, hello, yes, correct. Um and she ha- she is interviewed through that. So you hear a lot about her life from She's her. Amazing. Yeah, Freddie Prince per- Jr. Um, she dated for those who didn't know. Oh, Freddie Prince. With- Sorry, Prince Jr. is the is the yeah. son, but Freddie Prince, she dated him. It was Richard Pryor. I mean, the Richard Pryor stuff is just because of it was like at Richard Pryor's lowest point. Like there yeah. is some the the story about his horse oh, and her helping yes. him get the horse to the vet. You listened? I know I've heard that before when okay. she like released her biography. Her I have it. I got it from the library. Shout out to the yeah. library as always. I heard her describing that. So what are the others? I mean, I yep. actually thought of you the other day because mm-hmm. Pam Greer was a guest voice on um, The Great North, which is a show I like a lot. And she's it was, it's an animated piece with... Um, Nick Offerman, Jenny Slade, uh, Perna Nunciali. Oh, I love Aperna! Yeah, she's great. See, yeah, but Her you didn't think I knew Aperna. Love Aperna. I, I kind of figured you knew Aperna. And uh, Dulce mm-hmm. Sloan and Will Forte. Oh, um, Dulce? Dulce okay, is great. So, and, okay, we're going to have to talk about um, this later. Someone who I absolutely love, Ron Funches who plays her oh, brother right. every so often. Okay. Um, but Pam Greer has a very, like just, I didn't even know it was her until like, I saw it like pop up in the credits and I was like, that was Pam Greer. So I have to go back and listen, but um, sorry, I'm taking away from that because. No, it's okay. Send me a link. I will. <laughs> well, there you go. One the of yeah. uh, But my other two podcasts and I will be relatively quick um, or you can fast forward, whatever you want um, was uh, I, Recently learned of uh, a podcast a few months ago called Celebrity Book Club with Chelsea Devantes. Um, oh my God, Chelsea is a delight. Um, and basically what she does is she has a guest with her, one guest, sometimes more. And they read the memoirs of generally celebrity women. There have been, you know, a couple of exceptions. Um, and I think part of what's really joyful about it is that she grew up that that was when she would read, those are the things she would read. And she really, um, it's really about her taking the idea that like people think this is frivolous, like reading about somebody's life. Mm. And, um, and it's not, there are lessons to be learned. There are people that if you don't know about their life, you are just like, wow, mama, you have been through it. And then also in some of the cases, a lot of the books aren't necessarily new. So you can look back on certain experiences that happened to a person and go, wow, you know what? Yeah, that was kind of messed up. Yeah, kind of messed up. I mean, it was messed up then, but then um, but then looking at it through this lens of today in some cases and how things could be different. And anyway, Chelsea is lovely. They've done so many ranges of celebrities. There is an episode for you. 
if you're a dude, by the way, please listen. Please listen. Don't be like, oh, and they read books about women. Learn. Okay. So they've had some great episodes. Um, the Demi Moore episode was amazing. Um, they did an episode about Diane Carroll. I mean, so many celebrities, Jenny Jones, uh, Delta Burke. I could go on Brooke Shields. There was a live episode with Brooke Shields and I completely forgot that she sort of pseudo dated Liam Neeson. And there's something that happened. Like they had gone out. Yeah. Pseudo dated him for like a hot minute um, Gabrielle Union, Gabourey Sidibe, Rosie Perez. And I did not know a lot about Rosie Perez in her life at all. And woo. So anyway, and it's not, it's not fluff. It's not meant to be um, the Judds, uh, but it's not meant to be like, oh, wow, isn't this person amazing? It really is a look into this person's life. And, and she really does. She's very open and she connects it to herself. Uh, so I would say Celebrity Book Club. And then the last one, which is my new favorite podcast for this year. I love it so much. I love it so much. Just um, I would my new to me podcast. I would say this is number one. Chelsea is probably number two. But my new one is um, a podcast called Vibe Check. And it features our uh, person that we like, Sam Sanders. As you know, Helder, I'm looking at you. Uh, Saeed Jones. Sam yeah. Sanders. Lenny, he's so great. He's lovable. And it's basically him and, you know, it's all, it's like three, um, three black gay men kind of talking about the world and this and, and the state of it, but in a way that is um, also, uh, it's not doom and gloom. It's also like, these are the things that we can do. This is what's happening, but also laughter. So it, it's kind of like, you feel like you're listening in on, next to the table, a table next to you at brunch, and you just love them so much that you want to invite yourself to their table. I, every Thursday, I love it. If, if you have Stitcher Premium, it is free. You don't get all the ads because you have Stitcher Premium. Even if it does have ads, I don't care. Listen to it. I love it so much. Please listen to Vibe Check. Okay, now I'm done. Clearly Lola approves. <laughs> Did you hear her little footsteps? I heard her like shaking in her collar which i love i miss i miss having Thank a you dog for getting her name right oh we gotta talk about that yes fam this is like a whole thing that happens every time i always go to write lola and then i always call her luna it inevitably happens every time i go to tell vivian please give lola a big hug for me and it turns into luna I don't know where it comes from. I don't know who Luna is, but okay. uh, Would you say I don't know her? Ah, I see what you did there. So I did three sleeping on, so go ahead, sir. So three sleeping ons. I'll pick up where uh, I interrupted you, which is uh, one of the best, most heartwarming um, animated uh, shows that's out there right now is the great north um i mentioned it earlier it's a uh it's about a family living in alaska um with a single dad voiced by nick offerman um with the uh, precocious bunch of children including jenny slate as the daughter will forte as the oldest son um aperna Nacciale as the youngest child son um that's right she voices a boy and it's amazing how good because she we're she's so we're good progressive like that. um and sadly i'm forgetting the the actor's name who plays ham who's the gay son um 
and then that sounded rude by saying like he's the gay son but it's like he's the son who's come out i just watched an episode where he wanted to redo his whole coming out and it's like the acceptance of the family which is what's beautiful about it it's by two uh sisters who also worked on bob's burgers a lot um and then there's oh my god Sloan. everybody loves bob or bob's I mean, burgers I've never i watched love bob's it. burgers it's one of my favorites of as well um, which is why, I mean, between that and Nick Offerman voicing, uh, one of the reasons why I watched it and then fell in love with like Dulcie Sloan. I thought like Ron Futures was always one of my favorites. So it was great to see when he would pop up. Um, so I highly recommend watching that. It's a fun show. It's, it's really starting to grow as well. It's like evolving, which is fun. So what, um, one. what's, what's it on? It's on Fox. So it's part of like the animation thing on Sunday nights, but you can also just watch it on Hulu. Uh, which is how I check it out. It's very silly. Um, it's like, it's just very sweet and heart heartwarming at times. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And it, you know, to pick something, having recently been working with uh, someone working on a, a podcast about dads and single dads or dads who stay at home while their spouse and partner go out and or actually earn the money and they raise it. It's interesting to see this, represented in uh in culture uh, animated culture um i mean and by the way you don't have to name three i was just greedy no 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna do three because i did have three like great north is one um the other is quite possibly the best star wars ever which i was gonna say if you say taika waititi something i'm fogging off (laughs) i'm trying to remember if we if we actually covered uh, our flag means death at all. Um, you mentioned it for sure. We did. I know we did. I know I did. No, Andor, which is on Disney Plus, which is the prequel, sort of falls between um, the Star Wars prequels, but is more is a prequel to the Star Wars film Rogue One, which is also one of the best Star Wars. A prequel films. of a prequel. Yes, exactly. A prequel oh, of a prequel, um, which is part of the joke and yet it's such a good serious show it's it's like a total spy thriller set in like a star wars it's about revolution it's about uh um the like philosophy to be a a revolutionary it's really fantastic a lot of people have been sleeping on it because it's not jedi based it's not um you know star there's not enough star fighters blah 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 no x-wing but it is so good. It's like 1984 mixed with like, um, mixed with Battlestar Galactic. It's it's every other Are genre. The Jedi's the fighters. They're the ones with the lightsabers. You know the little. Then who are the-, the ones in the in the white suity things? The- oh, okay. those are stormtroopers. Oh. They do work into this one, but okay. they're actually. It does one thing that so many other Star Wars do not do well, which is it actually makes the Empire, the stormtroopers, in the white suity things, um, terrifying. It actually makes them. Are the like, white suity things people? Are they bad? Yes, they're the bad guys. Mm, see, okay. And and they're all voiced by Brits. So there you go. Just adding, to, adding to like the idea of colonizers. Um, it is fantastic. Diego Luna is phenomenal uh Stellan Sarsgaard as um so he's the bad guy he is not what he's he's a very con he is um conflicted 
that's that's the other good thing about this show is that there's no real good i mean other than knowing that like the empire is bad and evil I even mean, the good guys are very conflicted it's i even if you have never watched or appreciated and i think it's even better if you don't appreciate or if you don't really care for the star wars with the like sci-fi slash opera the the space opera is like the real star wars really are i think andor really should appeal to the people that love um a really good thriller a really good like action story a really good heist story a really good prison break story there's just so many amazing moments in this in the show like 12 episodes and it's only going to run two seasons so that's a good thing to know as well and it just leads up to like i said the what is quintessentially the best Star Wars film ever, which is Row One. Well, damn. Um, and my third one, speaking mm-hmm. of like heists and um, and spy thrillers, is on Apple TV. It is um, Slow Horses, uh, which is mm-hmm. in its second season now. Stars Gary Oldman and um, this great supporting cast of British actors uh, that are kind of unknown on this side of the, other than um, Jonathan Price who's in a cameo and Kristen Scott Thomas also in like a supporting role. Uh, it's on its second season. I highly recommend the first season and you kind of do need that one, but there's six episodes each. Uh, it's a great spy thriller, great kind of cold war sort of like what happens if James Bond fucks up and ends up like having to just um, slug it out, <laughs> just like slum it out in a, in a really nasty little like outpost in london um the first two seasons i'm halfway through the second season which is currently airing and that's fantastic they're both greats so those are those are my three um people are sleeping on type of thing okay well i certainly did not hear about slow horses until literally just now and i have to shout out to lead us into shout outs i have to shout out Mm -hmm. colin mcenroe and jonathan mcnichol jonathan mcpants for introducing me to slow horses um as well as our good friend uh kinetic cutting at kinetic cutting on who's no longer on twitter so i don't even know if i need to call her that um but my good friend courtney who uh introduced me who i've been talking to about both andor and uh and slow horses so um but that's not my shout out for sure Oh, Vivian, that what's your, no, I've got oh. bigger. You go, Vivian. Well, now I gotta put a line through my notes. Yeah, whatever. Listeners, I take notes during the during the show. Listeners um, do too. Yes. So I am going to shout out my homie Helder. Oh. You are my shout out for today. I have missed hanging out with you like this. Um you know, we put these things out in there and, you know, we don't really know if it means anything, but it means something because I'm doing it with you. So thank you for being a friend. <laughs> so verklempt. No. You have a clump. Um, because wrong show though, but you know, it's fine. I know. I it's know fine. what show I know. It's mm-hmm. a different show. Oh I, yeah. You'd get the reference. Well, thank you, because you are also my shout out. You're mm. lying. Don't feel like you have to say that you're no, my shout out gonna, because I said it. There's a little caveat. Oh. You're, you are amongst the people I must shout out. Okay, fair. You I'll take it. You specifically 
are the top shout out because you've always been there. It's fantastic to finally be back doing this with you. But also throughout all of this year, when I've been going through several struggles, uh, including my physical and mental health, you've constantly tuned in you every day, like check in, you know, if you don't, you like repeat, you know, come back up the next day and you're always like either sending me a good gif, a good like link to something, a good podcast recommendation. But most importantly, you do what we've been talking about and what we just spent two hours talking, reminiscing about, which is checking in on a friend. And so you and so many other people that have been doing that throughout this past year um, that have kind of just been there and done that. So my shout out is to all our homies, both mine, yours, and everyone else is out there who checks in on people. Um, And one specific really interesting shout out is to my friend Rick Socks on Twitter. Rick Miller, thank you so much, man. Uh, I'm using your microphone right now to to record this. Thank you for this lovely gift, but also uh, you too. Thank you, Rick. You too are also there just checking in on people. Um, And likewise, I try to return the favor and check in on everyone when I know that things are, times are tough. Times Mm. have always been tough. Like Mm. COVID really brought that up that times are tough. We, we just seem to think like during COVID, but no, it's times have always been tough. We Mm. just were really good about like, I don't even know if we were really good about it, but just burying everything, boxing it up and just maybe like, maybe that was one positive of COVID just realizing we need to not do that anymore and like open up and in one way or another, be it, you know, quiet revolution artistic revolution or just out and out revolution and getting out there. So those are my shout outs. Well, awesome. I mean, I think this was a good jump back into the, the podcasting pool. Mm. Um, listeners, we're not quite sure when we'll be back, but we will be back for sure. <laughs> I didn't actually mean to do that. Um, uh, we will be back. That's basically what I. Oh, you just muted yourself, friend. Uh, mine is the extraneous for sure. We will be back and we've missed you. I'm going to speak for Helder and say we've missed you, all oh, eight of have. you, um, or maybe 10. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to go with dozens. There's we'll dozens, go with dozens of us. That's a, good, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but in all seriousness, we hope this, we've missed you. We're coming back and we hope that this episode means something for you. And Um, not to be repetitive, but if you are going through it, which so many of us are, there is absolutely no shame in asking for help. Um, I know there's again, been all that discussion about check on your strong friend. I would say if you are the strong friend and people are checking and I, I have feelings about that. That's a different show. Um, but if you have people in your life who love you and who want the best for you and want to help you stop saying you're fine, if you're not fine. It's okay to not be fine. Absolutely. You know, it's okay if somebody asks you, you know what? My life is a mess right now. If you have somebody in your life who is a safe space, people want to help you. So please don't be an island. Don't feel like, well, I have to be strong for everybody else. And um, we do need to talk about how we define strength, but, you know, that's a different conversation. If things are not okay, please do not say they're okay around people who can help make it better. Do not be afraid to 
seek out what you need or ask people to help you to seek out what you need to get better. I will leave it at that. I'm going to leave it with one of the things that I've learned in the past 20 years of therapy that my therapist loves to say and remind me of, and I've finally started saying it to myself that good is good enough. Like you don't need, you don't need that like ideal thing that you think sometimes just being yourself, having good, being good is good enough. So very true. Find what you're, what is good for you. Find that like normalcy Mm -hmm. in unnormal times and Mm. cherish it and work with it and keep it going. And, and more importantly, um, share it, share yourself, share what you can. And that's important. Share what you can, not so much. Don't feel you always have to do it. Cause I know that's me. I love to always overshare everything. But that's okay. Overshares are needed. Sometimes. Especially but also, if the person like, doesn't like to share. Exactly. So that's, that's where we will balance this out in the next season. Mm-hmm. But until then, just remember, no matter where you go. There you are. Absolutely. You start, Britta. Mm, Christmas time is a time to sing. That's what Christmas is for. Christmas can even be a Hanukkah thing. That's what Christmas is for. And for you to sing a joke is God here and planet is about the birth of Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, it's still a good time to remember that it's good to be nice. Music and cookies and liquor and trees, that's what Christmas is for. Video games for two straight weeks, that's what Christmas is for. Hanging out with the people you love, saying I love you. a little bit. That's okay. You can cut it. You can cut that.